Welcome to another edition of Laugh Your Way to the Top Podcast. I'm Austin Fain. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Perfect Seal Solutions once again until we get better advertisements um, because I own it. So we'll do it like that. Um, here today we have Alan, and uh, he is going to be talking about uh, a new upcoming program that we have started. And he's going to talk about how he ended up uh, back in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us out. So, Alan. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Doing great. It's good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, about 10 o'clock at night in the factory. Right. It's, one, it's my second favorite day. place. After a long <laughs> day, but you had some. You had a sale today? I sure did. So it's not good. Uh, I don't spoke much about Alan's uh, position here. What is your technical position here at Perfect Steel? So on paper, I would be the project specialist. Um, so I'm in charge of the rehash program, going back to all the accounts that we had in the past um, that have kind of fell through and trying to attack them again and try to get them on board and seeing if they're interested in doing, uh, doing any business with us. So. Yeah. so what happened was is through the six years that we've been in business, uh, Perfect Steel accrued um, about 20,000 leads that just didn't come to fruition for whatever reason. Customers weren't home. They lost their interest in it. We had a wrong number, you know, any, we had the wrong address, anything that could possibly be misconstrued. It just didn't come to fruition. And so we needed a way to sift back through that. And the only way to do that was to send either professional canvasser or uh, a salesperson to all those things. And so I found the best of both worlds with, with Alan. And I was like, well, it's probably it's our time to do that. So we compile a list of everything that's old, um, not fresh stuff. And then he goes and revisits those, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But that's kind of where Alan came to be. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you got here. What have you been doing? What's your previous jobs? Because you've been in the canvassing world for some time, um, even in the corporate stuff, um, and then now back to kind of the retail market and stuff like that, and not even in Fort Wayne. I mean, you traveled uh, way far away from home because you were born here. I was born in Illinois. You were born in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Grew up in Fort Wayne then? No. No. Okay. Well, at some point you were in Fort Wayne, right? Yeah. Well, some point you were in Fort sure, Wayne, yeah. and then 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 moved away and and uh, went. What did you? What are your other fields and what have you worked in, in the past? So my initial entrance into just the canvassing or door-to-door -door realm was going to be door-to-door direct TV and Dish Network. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I've done in the past has been canvassing and closing. Um, it's never been just canvassing or just closing until up until recently. Um, but I started doing direct TV and Dish Network sales. We were a contractor for one of the largest subsidiaries of both of those companies um, called Clear Satellite. So that's yeah. like a that's like a sub. You didn't work directly for no. Dish or anything like that. No, no. So it was these are just people that are retail retailer. Okay, correct. yeah. Mm -hmm. So did that from about twenty started twenty fifteen. Um, went from Arizona. That's where I was living at the time. Hopped in an Astro van of like a nineteen eighty six Astro van and drove my happy ass all the way up to Washington, Bellevue, Washington. Okay. And it was completely new for me. My background was in like landscape construction and I'd worked at a golf course for like a year and a half. Um, so I had some customer service stuff going on, but not really. So while I was working at the golf course, my buddies came home from that summer and they were like, oh man, like I just made 15 grand in the summer. I made 30 grand in the summer. And I was like, you guys are freaking lying. You guys are liars. There's yeah. no way you made that much money. 
So I decided to take it upon myself to be like, hey, show me your bank account. So I'm looking through all my buddies' statements. These are all my buddies from high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking through all their bank statements, and I'm like, dude, this money's real. Like, what the hell were you guys doing? And they're like, we were selling Dish Network door to door. And I was like, dude, what the fuck is Dish Network? You know, like I, I knew I always had TV as a kid. Yeah. I didn't care about the provider. wasn't paying for it. You right. know, so it's just like TV was TV to me, you know. Um, then they give me this huge spiel. I meet up with the owner. Um, his name was Morgan Allen. Uh, met up with him and then kind of just got on board. I actually took five weeks off of my current job because I didn't trust that I was going to be successful in it. Um, so I took five weeks off. It was like a vacation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I took five weeks off. It was unpaid, of course. Went out there for or with about. I think I had like three grand for that entire summer. So I'm stressed now. We had to pay a little bit of rent for the house. We rented a borderline mansion up in Bellevue, Washington. I don't know if you've been to Washington, but it's like, you ever been to Arizona? No. Okay. It's like the Carmel. Is it Phoenix? It's like the Carmel. Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, yeah so I Phoenix. have been. I've been to the Phoenician and golf there before. Oh, so you've been to like Scottsdale, like the Scottsdale. super rich, yeah. So this it, guy, the white privilege version, yeah, of that. exactly. Yeah, so, so Bellevue, Washington, in comparison, like it's like kind of like Scottsdale or even Carmel, Indiana, okay. like super high class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Gates actually has a house that was like a mile away from our house. So it was super fun. It was a great experience. I ended up setting a couple of records that summer. Um, I was the number one rookie for that company. Um, I set a record of 10 deals in a day. It was actually in six Jesus. hours. It was absolutely astonishing. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was in a bet with uh, one of my managers at the time. His name was Nick. And I owed him like a thousand bucks if he beat me during the summer. So I was down by, I think, like probably 12 leads and ended up going out our very last day. He got six and I got 10, but I had two no calls. So I did sell 12, but I had two no calls. So I only got 10. Um, and that was like the biggest thing. And like, that's why I love this industry is because you can change your entire life within you can a day. Make, what is the, the saying? Like you can make a, a week up in a day and a month up in a week. In a week, and, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Um, and then after that, during COVID, I ended up taking a little veer away from door to door in general, personally, because I thought that nobody wanted to talk to us, like period. I was like, dude, door to door is dead. This freaking COVID virus is going around. What am I gonna do? Yeah. So I did a little stint when it came to construction. Um, that was super fun. I was just an operator with no licensing. It was just Let's number go. one. It was absolutely amazing. Let's go. They asked me, hey, do you know how to operate a 12K forklift? And I was like, if you give me five minutes, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Didn't get out of it since I or That's until I actually job, certified forklift. Yeah, so it was it was it was sweet. Um then after that, my buddy Morgan, um, I was in Idaho at the time. I had moved there. Um, and then he was in Arizona, he moved back. So he calls me up and he's like, "Hey man, I'm doing solar sales now. Like, what? Like, what? Why? Why aren't you doing this? Or why don't you come down to Arizona?" I was like, "Dude, got a family here. Like, I'm not gonna just up and leave just to go sell solar in Arizona." Mm -hmm. Then again, I get the bank statements, right? Yeah. So I see these ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar deposits into his account, and I'm like, "Dude, what the hell am I doing? This forklift don't pay that much. Like, you know, like I, I was trying to get after it." So he's like, dude, I'll make you a deal. Go ahead and find a couple companies that are out in Idaho, get well-versed in solar, and then come talk to me later. So I ended up working for a couple different companies, stuck out with a company called Encore. So um, with Encore Solar, it was a great company, right? Management was kind of dusty, but it was a good company. It was a good like starter point for me in that industry. So ended up just being a normal sales guy, you know, like we call our guys like lead babies, right? Yeah, yeah. Same thing, didn't do any canvassing. 
So it just got super slow. I, I closed, I think, my first like three deals. And then after that, the, the leads were just crap. Yeah. They either weren't there or they were crap. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to go like test the waters, right? I had no pitch. I was just brand new to solar. I just thought about like some of the stuff that I was telling the homeowners inside the sit and then brought it to the door. So I ended up creating this pitch out of nowhere, right? Like had no thought. I just knocked on the door and just winged it. Right, just complete impromptu as stuff. As a salesperson. As a sales guy, right? So complete impromptu stuff, Did had, had no idea what I was doing. And then I did it once, got a lead. Did it another time, got another lead. And then did it another time, got another lead, right? So I set three leads in like two hours that day. And I was like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. Like, this is, this is pretty easy. Why aren't these guys setting more leads, right? So um, – Ended up closing two out of those, and they, they were self-jets, so they paid a lot more. So mm -hmm. I got to the point where I was like, dude, why would I take these crappy leads from these guys when I can just do it myself and make more money? Yeah. So I ended up going to one house. Actually, I went to five houses that day, all cancels. And make sure that, no, keep on talking. Oh, so went to five leads that day. They were all cancels. I was ticked off because at that point, gas wasn't paid for. I was literally spending my money to get to work and stuff like that. And it really like just drove me up the wall. So I ended up calling the manager at the time and I was like, Hey man, I'm done. Like, can't do this anymore. Like this is, it's not cost effective. Right. I was making good money. I yeah, had a lot of money there. at the time, but it was just like, Hey, I don't want to do this. If I can't go and get a sit, if I can't get a sit, I don't make money. The company doesn't make money. So what the heck are we doing? So I took a little three months sabbatical, just didn't work, just kind of chilled for a little bit. Then they get a call and that company was like, Encore was like, hey, like we now we realize our leads do suck and we know that you can self-gen like crazy. Yeah. How do you feel about coming out and taking over our canvassing program? Right. They called it the Solar Pro program. So I was like, you know what? I'll try it out. Right. So I ended up just being a canvasser for about two weeks. They were like, hey, we have to watch this guy fail. That's in the current management position. And then you can take that job. And I was like. It's a weird management strategy. I was like, whatever. Okay. So I'm like sitting there. I'm getting leads. I'm smoking it. I had every incentive that they threw out. Um, and then so did the manager, right? But he was so focused on what he was doing as far as him generating income versus seeing his team grow so he can generate even more, right? Um, and it's always a two-step program, right? So you got to make sure that your guys are trained. If your guys are trained the right way, you make a lot more money, right? And then you can also go out and start making your own money. Right. It's, it's not very hard for you to do that job, but not a lot of people got what it takes to be in that management role. Right. So um, I ended up waiting like a month. They told me it was going to take like a week or two. I ended up waiting a month and I was like, guys, this is bull crap. I'm about to be out of here if this something doesn't change. Right. So we had another meeting. It was me, the solo pro manager, the head sales manager and the um, and the regional solo pro manager. And we all sit down and we talk the night before and we're like, hey, we're going to like trade you out for chance tomorrow. We're going to have that conversation. And I was like, OK, cool. So we have that conversation. And at the end of it, chance was still the manager. Ooh, weird. And I got to the point where I'm like, oh, dude, I'm done. Like that. Like, this is ridiculous. I Why would they do that? Why were they? Why were they had a problem jockeying those positions around and. It's because the guy, his name was Luis, right? Luis had been friends with Chance for so long, 
and Chance was a top producer and a high performer. He just couldn't manage worth a crap. Right. So he wanted to give him another chance, right? And it was like, hey, uh, we, we, ha we haven't talked to you about this yet, but we need to sit down and tell you that you're failing your team, right? It's not about just your deals. It's about everybody else's too. Mm -hmm. And Chance somehow convinced him because they had two years of experience before that. Like uh, me and Anthony were completely fresh at the company. Um, so at the end of the day, they he gave him another chance, and me and Anthony were looking at each other like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. Like we had talked about this as managers last night. How did this? How did we get this outcome? So I'm on the verge of quitting. Anthony's infuriated because Anthony and I had just meshed, right? Like yeah, yeah. we we ended up doing some crazy stuff for that company. But anyways, um, about a week later, ended up becoming the manager. Okay. Um, our my turnover rate was very very low reason being is because i didn't like it was kind of like the interview that you and i did when i first came on right yeah. it wasn't like hey this is it this is the pay structure like blah 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 like i really just like sold people on the culture mm -hmm. right i sold people on the culture and i sold people on the idea of making x amount right and i was like hey if i can do it i'm not a genius i don't have a degree i graduated high school 10 years ago yeah. <laughs> like like i like I'm just a normal guy. If I can do it, you guys can too. Why don't you guys allow me to show you how to make two grand a week? Allow me to help you guys help yourselves and grow as people, right? And I was like, hey guys, this is great money, right? Don't focus on the money, focus on the growth. Focus on learning as much as you can about this industry. And then the money will just start cycling in because you guys will know everything and you guys will get better and better at your craft. And then one day you're gonna look at yourself and look back and be like, holy crap. Yeah, I just made five grand. I didn't even notice it. You've probably you know? never heard of before. I exactly yeah. right. Um, so I, I would always just sell people on the culture and the idea of being better than what they are now. And I had people that I trained every single day, and it just didn't stick. But I also had guys that I trained twice, gave them the pitch, told them to memorize the pitch. After they did that, I would take them out for two days, and then they were on their own. It was like, hey, sink that or swim, easy. sink or swim. My first summer, my training regimen was correlation in the morning and then go out. That's it. We didn't get any attention. We didn't have people freaking piggybacking on us and, and stuff like that. Like it was like you're you're swimming for the fishes or with the fishes, dude. Like like you gotta you gotta figure it out. Like sink or swim, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a flight or fight or How fight many or flight people thing. do you think you were managing at that time? Um my largest team was I believe twenty at one time. That's quite a few. Yeah. So we had a we had a little office and then the little office became a bigger office and the bigger office became a little office and the little office became a bigger office, right? It just depended on we typically would maintain and retain about thirteen people at all times. So we had like thirteen OGs that didn't want to leave, would never leave. We paid the best. We had the best culture. Um, I would always do little incentives for the guys, right? Um, whether it was like, hey, if you guys get set three or you know, if you have three demos, we call them sits or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll give you two hundred bucks, right? And I would always like do something like silly. Like I'd go to the bank and get like 200 bucks and $2 bills and get them a big old fat stack of cash and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But like just those little things actually made a huge difference. I feel like for all the canvassers and even the sales guys too, when we threw them incentives. Um, but uh, kind of, kind of went off topic there, but no, I mean, um, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. Um, um, so let's go to when you, you were doing well mm -hmm. and then what happened? Politics. Okay. So that's the one thing I just don't like. I don't like to deal with drama. I don't like to deal with the politics and things. Like if I want to be a manager, just let me be a manager, right? I'll, I'll if if it comes to the operation, how we can operate better, I get it. 
But the nitpicky stuff is like, dude, I, I don't have time for that. So we ended up having the number, the top five um, setters or canvassers in that company, yeah. my team. I trained them. I was one of them. Okay. We set records for closed deals. We set records for amount of leads pitched. So we used to call them when they actually demoed. So we call them demos now. Um, so amount of leads pitched for four months in a row, we were the top team. Okay. So I have about a year of experience with this company. Um, and I was like, Hey guys, like we've been doing really good. I've been performing. Um, everybody's been performing and I ended up asking for a raise. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ended up asking for a raise. Wasn't even think anything crazy. Right. I was like, Hey, if you guys want me to focus on the doors, I can do that. But if I'm going to be sacrificing all of my time to build this team that is a powerhouse, I need to be compensated like I was setting these leads. And they're like, well, why don't you just go out there and just do both? Yeah. And it's like, why don't you crush it? And then also with any remaining time, do a full fledged management position while you are crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. So they literally said something like that. And I was like, I, I can't do that. Like I can do one or the other. I can I can do my normal training. I can do that. But we're only going to get so good if I take like X amount of time that I have in the day. We're only going to get so good. Right. But if you allow me to do this, I can show you how we're going to get a lot better. Yeah. Right. We always have a we always have a thing here that uh, you you're always going to have studs, right? You're in any company that you have if you have the number one insurance guy or the number one car sales guy or whatever, you're always going to have the studs. And the problem with a lot of management, upper management, when they look down, they're like, are you giving enough attention to this guy? Are we giving him everything he needs? And what happens is the rest of the team gets lost in, in the minutiae of, of, of what's going on. Mm -hmm. If you look at the numbers, hardly any other companies out there can you – say that the top guy or the top couple guys do more than the entire team put together and it gets lost almost every single company i've ever worked for is they spend so much time on the top people not figuring if they would spend more time with the entire team it would bring in more gross all the way around mm -hmm. like it's it's a very common thing especially in this industry because you're always going to have talented people you're always going to have uh real down to earth you know and and likable people and at the end of it you know if they have a problem or they have issues or they're hard to deal with or whatever you spend all your time trying to please those people and you forget about the rest of the team knowing that probably the top two or three or the bottom three guys probably are doing more communitively than the top guy could ever do and they're probably cheaper less expensive whatever mm -hmm. um so i'm guessing that's kind of what happened uh, what you're doing they're like no, also be the top producer, but then also make everyone as good as you. Yeah, exactly. My whole thing about the whole situation is they just wanted numbers. They thought that a big team was going to get them a lot of money, right? So it's like big team, big prize at the end. But when three of my guys are setting records for the entire company and I have 10 other guys, how do you expect me to, t to like tackle that project with them? Yeah. You know? And I structured my week very logically, right? So, like, Monday through Wednesday were my days, right? So, hard training. We would train for at least an hour a day minimum. Um, our Wednesdays were two hours. So, I was really big on 
gain as much knowledge as possible so you can get good at this, right? I would tell people when they first got hired on, it's like, hey, I don't want to be you guys' babysitter, right? I will teach you guys everything that you guys need to know about this industry, but I don't want to be the person that's to call your mom or call your wife or call your girlfriend and tell her that you can't pay the bills this week, okay? I need you guys to That's focus. a lot of training. It is. That's it a is. lot of training. Yeah. Why do you think I set records, you know? Um, it's one of those things where it's like the more – if you are one of those guys, like let's say our veterans today, right, that are working here – they don't have to come to all the training meetings. They don't. Right? Yeah. So it's like you come to one or two per week just to show face. You don't have to say anything. But I like to have them there just so they can feel like if, if I have a question, if a new hire doesn't believe me because I'm the manager, right, I have my backup as my top producers here that can validate what I'm saying, right? Mm -hmm. So they can be like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what I did. I was right where you're at. But these are some of the things that Austin has taught me to get to where I'm at now, mm -hmm. right? And that's the only reason why I even had them there, right? But typically, it was almost every single day just because I wanted them to that's know how to do the dang job. And I feel like, like, honestly, like, I felt like I was doing, like, I was just doing them a disservice at that point if I did not train them enough, right? Because it would reach a point to where I couldn't teach them anything else, you know? Well, I mean, you bring up a good point that struck me is that uh, as – that you were doing the hiring as well, right? Mm -hmm. When you look someone in the in the eyes and you promise them so much, we don't try to overpromise anyone. I don't I don't believe that you're that type of guy anyway. But yeah. when we've had Jimmy on the podcast a couple of times, when he hires people, he's telling them like this could change your home life, this could change your whole financial structure, you know, be more time off, more time with a family, you're gonna make great money, less hours, yada yada yada. You're telling them that as fact. Absolutely. And then if you don't give them the amount of training or if you don't give them the amount of time or help or whatever, you're failing those people that you've convinced that are definitely going to be more well off now that they've met you than not. Mm -hmm. It hits hard when they're like, hey, man, I, I can't do this. I've had three paychecks in a row, of, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I you know, can't do it. And we're like yeah, I probably should have spent more time with you and done all that kind of stuff. Sorry I got busy with either, you know, life, other work stuff, yada, yada, yada. As a manager, that that hits hard in the canvassing field for mm -hmm. sure. Like if you don't spend enough time with the rest of the team, the people that aren't doing well, that you've hired and said, dude, this is going to be sick. And then three weeks go by, you're like, this isn't as good as you said it was. You're like, it could be if I had more time with you and yeah. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So I get that. Mm -hmm. So I tried my best to structure it to where it's like, hey, I'm going to make you a promise. I will teach everything that I know. Right. I have eight years of experience in this industry. I will teach everything that I possibly know. But you guys have to do make that executive decision to actually run with it and make that money that I'm telling you right now that you can make. Right. Yeah. And I never wanted to do anything that was gonna make me feel like I failed my reps, right? So like, dude, if somebody was struggling, I would drop everything in the middle of the day. If I was canvassing by myself with another rep, hey, come out here, I'll yeah. show you how to do it again. And I, dude, I would hand people deals all the yeah. time. Like, no, I, I didn't care, no. right? Like, cause I could go out for an hour and get my leads and go home if mm -hmm. I wanted to, right? But it was all about making that sacrifice and building that culture to where I care about you. You're not just a number, right? You're a part of this family. And I feel like that's so important to be super involved with every single one of your reps, whether it's, you know, taking them out just on a, like a one-on-one. -on -one. I used to have those all the time. I used to love one-on-ones. And that's just simply, let's meet up at the office 
and let's sit down one-on-one -on -one and tell me what you're going through or what's working for you, what's not working for you, you know, and just kind of really diving into their mindset because you never know what people are going through, right? It's a huge thing. I mean, Jimmy was on here and telling me, like, you don't know their dog might have died, their mom's sick, you know, mm -hmm. their car just broke down. You don't know what's going on. They're like, I've had a rough time, but they, you haven't spent any time with them throughout the week. You don't, you're not up to date on the, on the new news. Yeah. That, that's, they might have some stuff to celebrate, and you haven't celebrated it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One-on-ones is hard to do, though, with the time management if you have to go out there and kill it at the same time. Exactly. It's, it's really tough because you can't be like, hey, man, you got five more minutes to tell me exactly what's wrong with you so I can analyze it and send you back out into the field. Mm -hmm. You don't know how long that's going to take. Exactly. Yeah. So so you did. You were doing that, and uh, you went in and asked for um, a raise to compensate you for the time not – being able to being go, able to go out there and be a producer mm -hmm. and and they pretty much told me to get bent and i was like cool even your buddy anthony no anthony was on my on board he's like dude you deserve a raise like what we've done here is spectacular now it's like sweet like can you can you have my back on this actually <laughs> they did offer me a raise i forgot about this okay. they, they did offer me a raise um, I had an override structure that capped out at like 30 bucks a, a, a deal or a demo or whatever. Um, and they raised it five bucks. We're talking less than a couple hundred dollars a paycheck, yeah. maybe? Yeah. That difference? Exactly. And I was like, I didn't even give, I, I said, hey, I want to raise. I'm not going to tell you guys how much I want the race oh, I like to be. That style. All I want you guys to do is give me an offer. For what you guys think I'm worth, you're asking them to value you. X, exactly. What, what am I? What, what is my value to you? Exactly. Right. And they told you. And they, they, and they, they told, told me. They, they told, told me, dude. They told me. And I, I laughed. I so the uh, vice president of sales flew out to Boise, Idaho, just to visit with me about this, and I laughed in his face, and I was like, I hope you guys can find another sales manager because I'm done. So, then after that, worked for a different company. Um, just a little startup just they were doing bad business like because you, you probably don't know a lot about solar but like you know how that we have like our, our red line that's what we used to call it but i know your, your bottom dollar right yeah. so we have a red line and these guys are selling people like it's like the equivalent of somebody selling two thousand bucks a square i think i kind of want to go into red line a little bit sure because for the people who don't know what that is so most of those companies, I'm not going to speak, and you can correct me for the companies that you worked for, is they they have a red line on what they sell deals for. And the reason for the red line is, is they don't actually do any of the work themselves. Most of the time, they're subcontracting out to actual installers. I don't know if Encore had actual installers. They it, did. They did. They did. But like other companies, they usually don't have installers. So they go, okay, we can sell a deal for X. We have to sell it for this because this is what they're going to take for the product to install and yada, 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 and the financing and all that other stuff. Correct. When we give it off to there, they're basically paper pushers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then they give it to the guys that actually go up on the roofs and install this stuff. So, like, that's why it's important to kind of know what kind of company you're working for. I'm, I'm sure you asked all the questions and stuff yeah. like that. But, like, a lot of solar companies out there, they don't actually do the work. Um, I don't know if it's a lot. It's the majority. It's the right? majority. I would say at least 50% of the solar companies out there, especially ones with any decent size, mm -hmm. um, they're not doing it themselves. Correct. So yeah. that's why it's important to know 
when they're, they're talking about red lines and stuff, they're giving it up to someone. It's not that they can cut cost on it. It's this X to install. So if we sell less than that, we're literally paying them to do it, and we're going to lose money on the deal. Correct. So you worked for a startup, and the guys were selling weird, or wasn't even weird. They're just hosing people. Yeah. Like absolutely hosing. So people. they were just doing way above yeah. everything. Whenever yeah. someone would be like, "Yeah, I can afford that monthly payment," mm-hmm. I'm in. Like I don't even know what they were doing because I'm so confused on how these guys like they must have been legends or they're lying about the price signing paper because the amount of money that they were charging people like like fifteen hundred dollars a kilowatt is like you know fit if you have a ten kilowatt system it's fifteen grand yeah right mm-hmm. most companies are at seven hundred bucks a kilowatt is expensive. Right. That's like the most like a thousand bucks a kilowatt is like pushing it, but you could still get away with that. But fifteen hundred dollars, like fifty percent over a high cost, like two thousand bucks a kilowatt, they were raping people. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, I can't work for you guys because it in six months you guys are gonna be around because people are gonna get word and when attorney, what- attorney general is gonna come in oh, and shut that down. Hundred percent. And so what what that is is like and I and I know a little bit about this is like when we're gonna start hopefully doing solar if it's feasible in the next you know, I always keep saying next six months or so. Um, we have a lot of customers that ask us, we're gonna put a forever roof on on mm-hmm. a roof that's gonna last them a lifetime. Like that's the time to do solar as well. You know, because it'll also last a super, super long time. And so I wanted to get into that. And when asking, we had some different financing options open up uh, for solar. Certain financing companies that only work with solar. Yeah. And they only allow us, if we are going to sell it, at $1,000 a kilowatt, which I think is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, because they seem well enough first to go, you can definitely install I don't care if you guys get the top laborers, the top engineers to design this stuff and you're getting the top equipment from lg panasonic or whoever you're getting it from Mm -hmm. that you can definitely install a system for a thousand dollars a kilowatt yeah 100 percent. and at the end of the day if you're going to be doing all the installation in-house that red line goes from like a 2.5 to a 2 right like you don't have any overhead you have to pay your installers and your sales reps when we talk about the red line model it's this these installers need x amount and then you have to pay your sales managers you have to pay your, the two owners of the company and then it gets higher and higher and higher so that 2.5 is realistically a two but there's that 0.5 gap on who they need to be paid and what they can afford to pay you after they get right. their bread you know um and it's fine but it's it's just kind of like a it's 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 an obsolete and flawed model in my opinion um if everybody could do their own installs It'd be way more profitable. Like when you do, it'd be way more feasible. It'd It'd be way more feasible because, like, we talked about it. The model, at least in the Midwest, seems like a more of a treat than a viable source of renewable energy that will save them money. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I mean by that is, like, you can drive a a Corolla, a Toyota Corolla, or a Camry, or something like that. You can also drive a C-Class Mercedes, virtually doing the same thing, but one's just like a a get and one's a need. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I look at solar, when I've done it in the past, like they're selling people um, payments, and I kind of wanted to bring you on to kind of talk about that. I go into it with I've done tons of you know YouTube research and things like that, which not real research, but when I look at that, 
there's still these systems here in the Midwest for anywhere between thirty and seventy thousand dollar systems for regular houses. Yep. Now they get twenty seven or so percent as a rebate tax wise if they qualify, yada yada yada. It's thirty percent now. It's thirty percent now, which seems good, you know, but you don't actually get to keep that money. You can. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible thing to do because your payment will go crazy. They say like, hey, what's your bills, blah, 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 for electricity? And they're like, hey, I spend $200 a month. Well, great. We're going to make your payments $200 a month, and you're going to get a $17,000 rebate. But if you don't give the financing company that rebate, your payments are going up to three, $400 for you know, 30 year, I don't know, the 20 year payments or yeah. whatever like that. And so when I looked at it, I was like, man, 20 years for something that like a payoff like that seems in- incredible, especially if they get batteries or not get batteries and all that other stuff. Okay. Let's say that it is equal. Well, what if I went to you? What's the difference of me saying, all right, Alan, I want to get into the, the energy resource game. I want to sell you something. Um, you pay me $60,000 and for the next 20 years, I pay your electric bill. What's, what, what's, what's the difference? What would you say to that? If someone came into you with that super intelligent question, which most homeowners wouldn't think of it like that. Yeah. What would you say to that? What, what are the, what are the differences? Why, why am I different than an actual solar panel? You're, you're really not right. Um, at the end of the day, that that's that's the issue, right? Because when it comes to solar, it makes sense to a certain extent. I love solar. I think it's a great idea in certain areas. I think it's right? viable in some stuff. Exactly. But when you're when you're thinking about like Oregon or Washington, right? Um, in Idaho, it was viable, right? We have 207 days of sunshine out in Idaho, um, so it would eventually end up paying itself off. Um, but kind of rolling back but before 20 years. No. Okay. Typically, no. Um, reason being is because, depending on the buyback, right? Like, if we did installed solar out here, there. Can you there's... talk a little bit about the buyback before yeah. you go forward? What is the buyback, and and we don't have it here. Mm-hmm. What, what was the buyback? What, what what does that entail? So there's two different ways of doing it, right? So some people do net metering. Um, actually, that's what it's called, pretty much here yeah. or every every yeah, right. So metering. it's net metering. Um, so net metering either pays you. Uh, so in Idaho, it was a full credit. So if you gave one a one. credit back to the grid, they would uh, credit you something on the If bill, your system right? created so more energy Correct. than so what they, your house needed, it would go back on the grid and they would sell that to somebody else. Correct. So and, in, the, in turn, they would credit you on your bill, right? So there was no cash value to it whatsoever. Um, when I was selling down in Arizona, they had it a little bit differently. So instead of them giving you like a one for one credit or a 0.51 to credit, whatever, they just paid you 10 cents a watt, right? So whatever, at the end of the year, whatever it was that you had overproduced, they would actually cut you a check for 10 cents a watt times X amount of energy that you use. What's the average check that you would say that you've seen? I'm not going to hold you to it, but like, what's the average check for the, the 500 bucks? Okay. So not, the not it, thousands it, of dollars. Abs- okay. Absolutely. I didn't know. No. So if you oversize the crap out of your system, yeah. You could get that check at the end of the year, but also you're maybe spending a crap ton of money. <laughs> one month worth of payments, maybe. It, it, exactly, right? So it wasn't anything extreme, right? But the idea of getting something as far as like a value, like a viable cash back was very appealing. But also, 
when it come or when it came to the net metering that was in Idaho, it was a one for one credit. So all that meant was you didn't have to pay your Idaho power bill, right? So you're always going to have two bills, no matter where you're at for solar, right? You're going to have your solar bill. You'll have your energy bill. I don't know of a state. So thus far, if you live in the city limits, you have to pay a grid fee. To right? be connected. So be connected to the grid, right? If the power goes out, your solar panels don't it's work. It's a small amount of money. It's it, it ranges, right? Some some states, like in Idaho, it was like five bucks. In Arizona, yeah. it's 25 bucks. Um, uh, what was another state? So even if you're 100% making your own power for your house every month, $25, $5, whatever it is. That power company will always have skin in the game. Yeah. And that's what really takes me off about just even investing in solar. It's like, why would I do this if I can't completely get off grid? And I hope eventually that's going to change like countrywide. I, I really hope it does, because when we look at it, all these energy companies are just monopolies, right? Because you don't have any other source of getting your power. So you have to pay these guys. Power is one of those things that you cannot go without. Most of us, right? Um, live in Indiana, so some of us do go without some power. Some of the Amish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't have the, they don't have, but they have a lot of solar stuff too. Yeah, so get, I, I don't know how that works. They, that makes my brain hurt, dude. Mm, I got a lot I could go on a whole day. <laughs> You're all good. The Amish and their, their rules and how they get away with taxes and things like that. But yeah. Yeah, so that's why I reason I wanted you to talk about buyback and net metering is because if you would get those things, it makes it closer to being a break even exactly you know like yeah. i don't have a problem like if i'm going to be when when it was sold to me like let's sell these let's sell these 60 70 thousand dollar investments mm -hmm. where we take alan's bills that are 250 he has got a nice big house and he's you know he's got family of five and they're all you know using a lot of air conditioning and a lot of tvs and a lot of stuff let's go instead of for the next 20 years let's let's take his 250 he's still gonna have to pay that no matter what let's just give it to a solar panel company that's making stuff and then after a certain amount of time 20 30 years on the road it's almost virtually free and then it'll start paying off for the next generation or whatever like that yeah but really that's not what happens all the time because of degradation in the systems right correct but also, you have, you have to take consideration, when's the last time? How long have you been living in your current house? Oh, uh, since my baby was born, he's two so two years. Okay. So, have you lived in a place for, like, longer than five to ten years? Not myself, no. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, let's say we talk to a homeowner that's been living in that same house for ten years. Yeah. Right? They have irrefutable evidence of their bill never dropping. It has always gone up. Yeah. Right? So... When we do our proposals, we have this this gauge or this scale, right? And it shows a graph of your current utility bill. And then right underneath, there's a different colored graph. And it goes up, and you see solar staying here, and then your energy bill going higher and higher and higher. The payment's not going to change. Exactly, right? And that's the whole idea is... Let's lock in that price. Exactly, right? So it, it's basically like having a, a loan that is going to... The ver it's it's like a, a variable loan, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like it could change no matter what, like any direction. That's like your power company, but, right? Or you can secure but, a loan yeah. with solar. So that's that's kind of the idea and the pitch on on right. uh, on solar. So or it could go down. It hasn't, but it could. In history, 
It's never. It, never it has never gone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is, I didn't know. Never. Like the like they're doing a lot more nuclear power plants that are coming in line in the next five years. Uh, they've yeah. been working on for already ten years, and so I didn't know if that was going to decrease. You know that stuff. I mean, they got to pay for those plants somehow, but I, I just didn't know if it was cheaper doing that kind of stuff. Wind farms and you know, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, which I heard is not much better than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that's why when I go, okay, that loan. If I go, hey, you give me sixty thousand dollars right now, mm-hmm. I'll pay your bill. I'm taking the risk that it's probably going to have just a minute increase over the next twenty years. Minute being ten dollars, you know, maybe a month, uh, you know, ten dollars maybe every six months going up. Mm-hmm. I'm still probably going to be okay. Sure. On my on, on my terms, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's why I just don't think it's super feasible. Now, if you go into it with the head of I want to I want to be green, and I want to reduce my carbon footprint, um, all that good stuff, I think that it's like the Mercedes, right? I'm paying for something that's like the people that recycle. You know, if you do any research in recycling, most of the time, that stuff gets dropped off at the, at the same place, the dump, like everything else. Yep. Um, but it makes you feel good. Yeah. And, and you're, you're trying, you know, and I hope that people recycle. I don't take anything away from that. But most of the time, so like, it's a like Mercedes, though. Like, I want to drive a Prius. You know, I want to do all this stuff. Like, I understand that as a nicety that you can have that. You might, if you have a battery, instead of getting a generator and doing all that kind of stuff, it might help you out when everyone else's power goes out. Like, you could still have power. I get all that kind of stuff, but that's a get, not not an actual need. Yeah. Have you done any research into the batteries? A lot. Yeah. A lot. So there's many types of different. People think that it's all the same battery or they're like new technology yeah they're not new tech most of them are not new technology like they have the lithium and and things like that batteries and stuff which are great but most of the batteries that that solar companies are selling for a reasonable price Mm -hmm. they're just stacked deep cycle batteries they're just multiple deep cycle like what you'd have in a marine boat that sits for six months out of the year in the midwest like they just have multiple ones maybe 12 maybe 20 Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's holding the power. And yeah. you still need to like upkeep them every once in a while and stuff. They might last a good long time, but it's not new technology or anything like that. What do you, what can you tell me about the batteries? So, from what I've been told and what I've seen, I, just ba- batteries are, I, I always would sell people away from batteries. Yeah. I'm reasoning is because I wasn't selling in, in the country, right? I was selling in their city. It's like, okay, great. It sounds like a good idea. You could use it as a battery backup because that's all I sold it as, right? People are just like, hey, if the power does go out, I want a battery or a backup battery. And I'm like, okay, what's a more feasible option for you or a viable option for you, right? Spend 17,000 bucks on a lithium ion battery, right? It only costs 10 grand, but with installation. Sure. It's, it Commissions, installations, all comes out to, up there. Yeah, it's like 17 grand, right? Um, and they're warranted for 10,000 cycles or 10 years, mm-hmm. right? So that just goes to show that people typically will only give you a warranty for like at the year that it's probably going to go out. Yeah. Right. So year 11, they're year 12, year 13, 15 year washing machine, uh, warranty, a, a warranty for they're, life, they're lifetime, that. right? They're not doing that. So at the end of the day, 
It's like, okay, why would you do that? And I always got, well, if I'm going to get solar, I want to get a battery. It's like, okay, well, if you want a backup, why won't you just get a generator? Generator's going to run you the max what? At the, like you get the greatest generator that known to man, five grand? Oh, no. Like the ones that no. have like a Volkswagen engine, like a – because like my dad had one for a while that was like they took the Volkswagen Rabbit engine out of out of one and it ran on propane and it was huge for really? his house. It was huge. Um, it was one of those you didn't have to get certain breakers on it. You could have the entirety of the house. Okay. Wired and mm-hmm. like a lot of generators and stuff, you'll have the main stuff. If you can't live without Wi-Fi, phones, a couple TVs, refrigerator, and the deep freezer is pretty much all you want to put on it. You can't put air conditioning and stuff on most things because you know it just overloads the what the generator can produce. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, I thought it was like a lot. Maybe it's yeah. not three thousand. No, 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 it's it's definitely not. it's a lot more. You can get five hundred dollars for a generator at Lowe's too. Oh, well, of course, right? Yeah. To, to, you know, make sure that your freaking eggs don't get so don't spoil them. Right, day, right. Power the refrigerator. Yeah, right. Um, but at the end of the day, when it comes to normal generators, it's actually kind of crazy. They are just as expensive as battery, right? Because there are different variations. Just like there's a the the LG Chem, which is a 12 kilowatt battery, and then the um, the N phase N Charge 10, which is a 10 kilowatt battery. That is the same exact thing as a generator, right? So there's a 7K generator, a 10K generator, or 17K generator. Mm-hmm. So when you start to dive into how much power that they actually use, you get into like, hey, what's most important to you guys? Like, do you want your TVs running? Do you exactly. want all this running? Yeah, and then, choose. and then like when you get into these big houses that are that are they, they got a seven hundred dollar bill, it's like, dude, this is gonna help you out for a few hours, right? And even a, a backup battery, you know, like a twelve like a twelve k battery, like the the highest that you can get right now. It's only going to last you for so long. It's not going to be a forget or forever option, right? Um, so it, it's good, it's nice, but I just don't think that the technology is there yet. Um, I know that there's been a couple companies that have been talking about um, some type of hydro electricity battery. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the next step into um, the backup generator, or the backup power. Um, it's going to be hydro, um, but right now, I, I just don't think the technology is there. I mean, it works. And the price is just yeah. Exactly. Unreasonable. When I was looking into, like, because I thought batteries would be a good option. Yeah. You know, then you're not running it at night when the solar panels aren't producing. It's not like you're back on the grid. That was another thing that I wanted to talk about is, like, everyone thinks they'll have no bill. But if net metering goes away like it did here in Indiana, like, what happens is is your solar panels don't produce anything during when the sun goes down, right? Mm -hmm. So you'll always have a power bill, no matter what. Most of us, if a net metering happens, you might produce more in the day when you're gone, and then it might compensate you during the night when you use power. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm on board. Net metering went away in Indiana, um, at least to my knowledge. I don't want to say anything, but when I last looked at it in June of last year or something like that, it went mm-hmm. away. When that went away, now you're when you're home, like in the Midwest, we get off five six o'clock at night. We're cooking. We're cleaning, we're watching TV, air conditioner full on blast, movies, Netflix, computer time. We're only using the electricity really at night when you're the solar panels. So like now pretty much half your bill is still going to be on there and you're also going to have a solar bill. Exactly. So that's why I was like, no, we'll sell batteries Mm -hmm. with it, you know, 
and then we'll be able to compensate those people for when they're not using it. We're storing up enough to get them to the next day when the solar panels get back up. Yeah. But when we ran viability tests on like what a normal bill would be and then what a, like batteries plus 15 to 20 solar panels, what would be and the install redline and all that other stuff, mm -hmm. like we were getting up there. Like yeah. it would have been, wouldn't have made sense for most people. Yeah. Wouldn't have made sense for most people. I think the largest account that I've ever sold was a 24.8 kilowatt system, which ended up being, I think, like 42 panels or something like that. That's big. They were all across the roof. They had like a $500 bill each month. Um, and it came out to like 125 grand. Yeah. But they got approved. For 150, got the got the solar panels installed all across the roof. It did not look good. No, we were literally playing Tetris getting that thing installed. It did not look good. Yep. And like, I, I don't know. Especially out here, like I I almost like right before this, I almost started working for Blue Raven. Um, I don't know if you've heard of those guys. Um, they're actually new to this area, but they're super popular out in Idaho. But I was just looking for a solar company. Right. It's, I've been doing it for the last two years. I was like, you know what? Solar is definitely going to make sense here, too. Um, I, I walked or I went into my mom's neighborhood when I first got here and I was like, OK, two two houses have solar. So there has to be a solar company out here. Right. right. So I'm going on Indeed. I'm going on the Internet looking for these solar companies. None. There's not. I was like, dude, who do these people get these solar panels from? And then I can't remember who I was talking to, somebody that works here. Um, and they were like, yeah, dude, this, this company called Pink Energy or something like that came in, screwed everything up. That's why we don't have net metering anymore, like all the stuff. And I was like, wait, there's no net metering out here? Yeah, it was Power Home Solar. Okay. And then they became Pink Energy. Then they went super bankrupt. Yeah. Super bank. This dude had his face everywhere. I think they, at one point, one of the arenas or the Cole Stadium or something like that, they were like the main, like, person that sponsored all that kind of crap and bankrupt completely bankrupt and so what happened was is that they got into a thing where almost 60 percent of everything they installed didn't work really? didn't work for one one reason or another but most of it was install the other let's call it 10 to 20 percent they promised them the rebates and things like that but these people were either military, these people were uh, on disability and stuff like that. It's a tax rebate, which means if you don't have the tax implications to get $17,000 back on your taxes, then you don't get all that money. By no means. So like when you're getting refunds for a couple thousand dollars, like that would usually be like what you would get there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't if you make five hundred grand, yeah, you're probably gonna get the whole seventeen thousand dollars back in the first year. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably what's gonna happen. They're gonna write you a check. But when you're a when you're a vet or you're disabled, social security, any of that stuff. Have a bunch of kids. Have a crap ton of kids. You don't you're not gonna get all that stuff because you're already getting tax credits for all that stuff taken away from your tax implications and you don't get that money back. Mm -hmm. So, huge lawsuits. Attorney generals in almost, I think, six states filed suit at the same time and just absolutely wiped them off the face of the People went in to work, and they locked the doors. The servers went offline. Everything. Now, these people have solar systems that produce 
nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. They don't, they're, they're on their house and there's no one to fix them. There's no one to fix them. There's not, if you call another solar, they're so different. And there's so many ins and outs, like they tried to go after Generac too, saying it was like a faulty product that they were given from Generac and stuff like that. And if you go do your own research, you can find all this lawsuit stuff online. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, huge deal because now the company's bankrupt. There's nobody to get money from. Yeah. This dude was good at hiding all his stuff and they're not going to get much out of this dude. Not in the, you know, billions of dollars. I mean, huge money. And so... Like, I thought, well, let's get up off the ground. And then we're obviously going to have our own installers. That's our model here is have our mm-hmm. own installers for everything. That way, if we do have a problem, we don't have to rely on A, B, and C company to try to come through for us. And then we learn. We take some classes from Generac or Enphase or whoever and learn how to fix those systems and then, you know, do all that stuff. Because there's no one, there's no one fixing those systems. Yeah. You call the number, it's a deadline. And that's just incredibly scary that really sucks too because they got a loan from a different bank too so they're already even if it doesn't they work pay it. they still they gotta pay it they gotta yeah. pay it they gotta pay it forever or you know renege on it and then you're you know you lose your credit and all that other stuff i mean these they'll people a, they'll put a lien on your house they'll put a lien on your house and oh, that yeah. way like okay cool then they put a lien on your house you go to sell like i have sixty thousand dollars equity not anymore because mm-hmm. you got a sixty thousand dollar solar bill yeah it's a completely bad situation i don't mean to scare anybody away from solar but you should be very aware of the things that you're getting into um when you do it when we finally do it you can rest assured i've done all my things because i don't want to be that guy I don't want to be that guy because I'm going to sign up my I'm going to sign up my friends. I'm going to sign up my family. If it's a viable option, I'm going to push it on everybody and I'm going to make them get it because it's going to be a really good thing that won't won't hurt anybody. It'll only be a good thing and I'll be able to service those things forever because I have to make sure that it's a good thing. When I when I put my metal roofs on, when I put my windows in, I know that we're going to be a okay. Because I've sourced the the underlay, I've sourced the metal, I've sourced the fifty-year screws, I've sourced everything, making sure to my best ability to make sure that they have a hundred percent the best thing that's going to guarantee them for life. And with solar, I have to do the same exact thing. Absolutely. You know, we got Panasonic dealership. Um, we've already started to install um, some some panels on us we can't hook it up until we get the correct licensure and stuff like that mm-hmm. but and then we're going to go through a six months phase where we'll see what happens in indiana like is this bill going to go super down is it going to stay the same is it does it work you know all that kind of stuff then take it to market next year and go okay certain houses you don't want this certain houses maybe you want this certain houses you're definitely going to want this mm-hmm. and find a way to market to those people yeah so that that's another thing that is an issue with indiana is the trees right yeah we are so arizona probably not that much of an issue that arizona are have you seen arizona's trees i that are aren't like up north yeah no like when i was in scottsdale it's a desert yeah it is the desert literally like even if you did have a tree it's probably like a mesquite tree they don't grow leaves (laughs) like you're gonna be straight our trees look like bare naked trees out there you know so um it's never been an issue but like you know california solar's huge there Solar is actually required on new builds. Every new build is required to have X amount 
be solar of their their production when it comes to their energy yeah so if you buy a a, it's california if you buy a million dollar house rest assured you got to put at least another 50 to 60 grand into solar and it has to be on your roof Mm. or it has to be somewhere on your property to cover that that cost Mm. so that's why dude do you know in california they're not even allowed to have gas lawnmowers or farming equipment or anything like that it's all electric now well it's it's funny you said that because like i was just learning about vegas and their water thing you know like the weird stuff that the that the people can put the government can put on restrictions like having to have solar do whatever can't use during peak times and blah 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 in vegas it's water it's not it's not power okay in vegas you're not allowed to have lawns and new built houses it has so, to be like turf or something or they do they do gravel they do sand they do whatever on new builds inside these the limits and stuff of vegas um in certain cities can't have grass because you have to have water to then Some type of do that stuff. Or shrink, or yeah, you gotta have that. now if you're grandfathered in sometimes they make you take the grass out there's there's companies that landscaping companies yeah that only exist to take grass out it's a real thing look it up i just watched i wish i had the youtube thing still pulled up um of like these companies and there's a crap ton of these companies they come in with special units that like you know how if you ever get fresh shot and it's in a roll yeah the opposite they come in and cut it and take it away to the dump i've never heard of that Okay, and then so if you're grandfathered in, you have a front lawn. They allow you to keep the front lawn. you got to get rid of the back in some places. Then on top of that, when you have the spring, because everyone has spring, because obviously you have to have, you know. If you water your grass outside of the days and times that they allow you to, you get fined. They have special police go around in the mornings. Like I'm talking 3 to 8 a.m., okay? If you're on a street or a zip code, I forget how they do it. If the thing it's like, you know, odd numbers in that in, in that neighborhood houses, they can water on Tuesday at 5 a.m. If you're an even number house and you want, fine. And they have a cop going around checking. That's the Karen Patrol. Wild. <laughs> Wild. What? Can you imagine being that dude or that woman? Oh yeah. It's you like have the, to be one of the most hated people. Yeah, it's like the dude that's riding on the bike handing out tickets downtown. Tickets downtown yeah, for yeah, the parking and yeah. stuff. Like, horrible. That's insane. I've Talk never. Talk about being American, like all the freedoms and all the yeah. other stuff like that. They don't allow you to water your grass on certain days. That's that's wild. Certain times. If you're outside the time limit, they find you. If you're, they, call, they catch you at 3 o'clock in the afternoon watering your grass. You're done, son. You're done. I just watched it. Was, it was amazing because they're draining the Colorado River mm-hmm. at a rate that eventually it just won't have enough. So they got to do something now. Now they are uh, giving you a stipend, uh, you know, um, an allowance to pay some of these companies, like giving you a credit or writing you a check to hire these landscaping companies. Is why they came around. These landscaping companies aren't taking the money out of the out of the people. The government's paying them. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Definitely, definitely look that up. The yeah. water situation if you live in Vegas um, is pretty nuts. Like you think about the golf courses, all that stuff. I mean, they're all underneath these things. You have to have permits to have water in certain places. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So like 
just like that just people have to have solar and stuff it'll never be like that in the midwest this is um a red state it's probably not gonna change yeah so you got out of the solar game they didn't give you a raise you moved here mm-hmm. um to go back and help with some family stuff and yeah. you know and do all that and then i found you um you you walked into uh my office my factory in the in the corner and we had a good conversation and i had wanted to roll out this system where we go back and sift through all of the undesirable leads or the things that just didn't it wasn't felt like we're, now we call everything we we continue to call these leads there's a couple of girls in the front office that call these leads to try to put them back on the board making sure we didn't miss anybody that mm-hmm. wanted a wanted a quote and you know after a while phone numbers change people you know just don't answer the phone people move yada 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 and so we have you given a list and you write around and you do estimates on on the people's or if you leave it there and then you follow back be like hey did you get my quote that i left you and you've been pretty well received for the first we've only been doing this for two or three weeks so far yeah seems to be pretty well received yeah um most definitely right and uh it's kind of crazy because i feel like every single lead's a new lead because i don't know i, I don't look at the dates um i like to have every person that i see on that list just be fresh in my mind so a lot of these leads i'm like hey like at some point you know i'll knock on the door they answer and i'm like hey i'm alan the project specialist from uh, perfect steel solutions do you guys remember us and they're like no and i'm like okay no problem so uh either you know, a couple years ago, or it could have been yesterday. I don't know. Um, but at some point in time, you guys called us out, or we stopped by to talk about you guys' roof. I take a step back, I look at it. I'm like, okay, it still looks like that project needs to be get, or needs to be done. Is that still on you guys' radar? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it actually is. I'm like, okay, perfect. What I'm doing out here today is I'm just giving out some free quotes. Um, I already have a couple people scheduled for some quotes tomorrow. So what time works for you guys? Two or four tomorrow. Right, get them back on route, do my sits, and then we go from there. Nice. Um, but it's been it's been smooth sailing. Um, last couple of weeks have been pretty pretty steady. Um, and honestly, like what I've been noticing is a lot of people are buyers. Yeah, a lot of people are buyers because probably a good seventy five percent of my entire list, these guys already have a new roof, but it's just not our new or not a roof. From us. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Like since it's been, I mean, we've been in business for six years. Like. In the last five years, mm-hmm. if we didn't put the roof on, they needed a roof. We're only stopping a house that need roofs. Exactly. So if they didn't get it from us, they got it from somebody else. And that's something that I really want to do with you. Can do a lot of stuff with the information we talked a lot about when you started. Is that I'm totally okay with not having immediate success before we kind of filtered in and kind of like had certain stuff that we wanted to really attack. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know everything i want to know how many people got roofs because we missed them Mm -hmm. we didn't service that customer like we should have it could have been just a uh, a buying thing where they're like we're too expensive um but also it can't be everybody we just didn't sit down and talk to these people at all and they bought from somebody Mm -hmm. and we're not we're going to know the prices and stuff but it's good to know that if 50 percent of the places that you go to that are not interested anymore have a new roof 20,000 leads, we missed out on, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, that's a bunch. So it's kind of crazy. Um, the the deal that I actually sold yesterday, she is a mortgage closer for Mountain West America. All right. So she goes in and 
people sign contracts and paperwork with her and she does all mortgages. So I'm talking to her about our warranty, right? And how it's transferable up to 15 years. And she's like, man, I will tell you what, these people are going flipping crazy for these warranties. She's like, people pay an extra six to $15,000 right now for a warranty on their home. Yeah. And I was like, that's absolutely amazing. Like I'm, I'm getting this from the source now. Yeah. So when it comes to breaking down the numbers now, man, it, it, it's so easy. It, it's been so easy for me. Um, the only reason I, I should have been two for two today, right? Um, the only reason why I didn't close another deal is because he had another company coming back tomorrow to give him a quote. It's weird that right? the timing is like that, right? I, I know. Like I, I, I've been doing this for a while now, yeah. the better part of 10 years. And the amount of times we'll fresh knock a lead, I get in the next day and they go, well, we got other people coming out this week. I'm like, did you call them as soon as we did? No, we already had it on the schedule. You guys just happen to come by at the same time. Like, what are the odds yeah. of that? Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens with that. You know, um, what is your, when you have like, you probably ran into some, when you're in the solar game, um, did you run into where people said like, I have another solar company coming out? Absolutely. And I want to see what they offer me and stuff and keep you honest. Mm -hmm. how, how did you leave those those houses like at the end? Because it's very similar to the metal roofing industry. Uh, I can talk about what, what, what I did is I would never talk negatively about another company. Right off the bat, if your salesperson is talking bad about any specific company, that doesn't look good. It mm -hmm. never sits well with any... You can talk bad about different parts of the industry if you want to. If you can be real broad, be like, I wouldn't go with a um, uh, a guy in just the back of his pickup truck and doesn't have a real company and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I wouldn't go with, like, maybe the Amish. They might answer their cell phones, blah, 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 blah. I don't know who you're meeting. I won't ask specifics. But, like, those are some general things. And I leave them with, like, depending on who they were, more intelligent, less intelligent people three to ten points like this is what i want you to ask them and you keep them honest okay like what's the warranty on their screws get the name of their screws and look it up i'll give you the name of my screws and you can look it up for yourself the metal where are they getting it made from they're not making it i can guarantee you i'm the only one in indiana making and selling my own metal so that's the second one then like gauges, then like warranty stuff, then see the paperwork, read the warranty, have them print you off and leave you a warranty. I'll do it. And then with the financing fee, like what is that? Like is there they can offer you um sixty months, you know, no interest or something like that, but there's a fee to that. Like what's Absolutely. the fee for that kind of stuff? I'd load them I already covered all my bases with all my stuff. I'd leave them with that and be like, if you cross that off and everything is better and the price is better, you should go with them. Yeah. You yeah. should. And you should call me because I need to do better. Because I'm trying to do it as low as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do as low as possible with the highest amount of stuff. I get we do ours quantity. It's not we don't need five jobs a month and we all eat ten thousand dollars of profit on each job. No, I'm making a couple thousand dollars on each job, and we keep on rolling, mm -hmm. and that's it. That's the way I've always done it. Yeah. Um, so what did you do when you had someone like, hey, I would commit to you today. Everything sounds good, but I got two other people coming this week, Alan. I want to see what they're offering me. It's the same thing I still do to this day. All right, I asked him a series of questions. The first one is, all right, guys, do you see the value in our company, and do you see the value in our product? Are we the type of person that you guys would feel comfortable doing business with? 
they tell me yes or no. Typically, it's going to be yes, yeah, right? They're not gonna lie put on a show, yeah. right? Yeah, so, like, I don't trust you at all. Absolutely not. This is, this is, I can't wait to get you out of the house. Yeah. So I asked them that, and uh, they will tell me the company that they're getting a, a quote from. And typically, when it came to solar, I was well versed in every yeah, single yeah. solar company that was out in Idaho, right? Now it's like I don't really know anything about any roofing companies that are really out here besides. Anyways, um, so um, when it comes to that, it's like, honestly, I get excited. I am so dramatic in the house. Like that is the one thing. The reason why I love sales is because I feel like I'm an actor, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. I know when to like lower my tone, raise my tone, read the customer, you know, mirror the customer. Like it, it's one of those things where you, when you've been doing it for so long, it just comes naturally. So I'm like, honestly, guys, I, I encourage you guys to get another quote. We tell everybody that. Yeah, I, I, I encourage you to get another quote. Reason being is because once you get two more quotes, you're going to realize that we're going to be a little bit better than that last guy, right? And that's not me trying to toot my own horn. It's just we do business the right way. Mm-hmm. So call me back in a couple of days, and we'll go from there, right? And I always I always leave them with like, hey, when how long is it going to take you to get more quotes, right? Do you guys already have these scheduled? And they're like, yes or no. Right. And then I'm like, okay, hey, what I want you guys to do, I'll set a follow up for a week from today. I want you guys to do more research on our company, do more research on all the product knowledge that I actually just gave or I've given you and then go ahead and get your more quotes. And at the end of the day, I'm going to meet up with you a week from now after you guys do your research. If you guys like our company more than the other companies, are we going to be able to do business together? And typically they'll tell me yes, if they're a serious buyer. And then I go back and I will close down that deal. Yeah, most right. times. Yeah. Another thing is reviews. Yeah. I, I always tell people, like, you know, you're doing a broad thing, like, just go do real research. I tell people, if they're coming to your door, see how many reviews, see the quantity of reviews, see if they're, like, they're buying reviews and just have normal five-star things. Just check the Better Business Bureau. I don't know if you've had that in other – they have Better Business Bureau over America, you know, all oh. over. And here yeah. it's super important to mm-hmm. the to – the, to the, uh, especially the elderly – you know, they, they really rely on the Better Business Bureau. And so if you don't have a good Better Business Bureau rating, if you don't have good reviews, if you have a bunch of complaints, you can't erase those most of the time. You can't you can't get rid of those. If they have a valid complaint, it stays on there, you know, and there's nothing you can do. Like, go and do your research. Go find out about these companies and see if they've been – if they've had mistakes in the past, that could also happen to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and weigh your options because there's definitely always someone cheaper always and there's definitely more expensive people and there's definitely people that that do that i tell people and i think i told you this during the interview is like how do you sit down and tell someone that today we're doing business i want to put your roof on the next two months whatever like that how do you close people like them and and why do you push to close them that same day Mm -hmm. well one it's a lot of traveling back and forth yada 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 you lose a lot of information if you don't go in that day but two if i don't close them in that day then the next person who might be a little bit more persuasive, might be a little bit more hard, things like that, they might not have the same quality of stuff that I have, that mm-hmm. I'm offering, the that I know that I'm going to take care of them. I'll lose money on deals to make sure people are taken care of. If I don't close them, the next person might not might not be the project for them. It might be the next nightmare for them. Exactly. And And they don't know, you know? I I worked at the last company um, that I worked at before here. They were those people. They filled my head with, we're the best, and blah, 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 and we do a great job, and, you know, we got the best stuff. Well, they didn't. I didn't do my research. I'm an idiot. 
I sold lots of people and they, they switched a whole bunch of stuff. It was terrible. And I go, there's probably other good companies out there that I railroaded their sales pitch and sold over them and sold them a way inferior product and a way inferior service. And they probably shouldn't have bought from me, mm-hmm. you know? And so then when I started this, I go, well, that's not going to happen ever again. Yeah. I'm not leaving up to a salesperson to make sure that they get what the customer needs. I'm making sure that the company only has one avenue and they can't deviate from that. They're getting a hundred percent or they're getting nothing. You know, when we get a lot of times I go off into tangents a lot, but if, if they are, they go, Hey, we understand. You got the best metal, you got the best screws, you got the best installers, you got the best warranty, you got the best blah, blah, blah. But we don't really care about a lot of that stuff. We got a quote for an ag panel for $7,000 less. Can you just do that? We want to do business with you guys. We know that it's a lesser quality thing. Will you guys just do it? And I tell them, negative. We're not doing it. We only have one standard, that's it, and we don't deviate. We don't do shingles for people. I don't care if they're willing to pay the exact same amount, the exact same amount of our normal metal prices and stuff. I won't do shingles. I won't do ag panel. I won't do none of that stuff because it's just one avenue. It works. We've been doing it for six years. Our warranties are so few and far between. It's nuts, Mm -hmm. you know? so many millions of dollars of roofs and i don't have i sleep so soundly at night when it rains it's crazy when a lot of these companies if you're a roofing company and it rains are like oh my god please don't leak yeah and i just i sleep totally good Mm -hmm. that being said um there was a thing that happened probably four or five months ago uh, with a house in right across the edge in ohio that we did We've been battling this house for a while. It's a super old Victorian style house. It was built very poorly. Um, they had all kinds of different shingles and shake and slate and over the years. And they had uh, like the slat boards and, and, and everything. The siding wasn't good. Nothing was good about this house. We've redone the roof twice. She sends me videos. Um, in the middle of the night it's like one o'clock in the morning i'm in the barn having my bang and my cigar and she's crying she's like it's raining in my front porch i'm like damn okay i got you and uh i leave i go to the factory and zach actually meets me up here i forget what he was doing he gets in the car with me. We go over there. We throw ladders. We throw tarps. We do everything that we can do during that time. Um, and we just get it to stop leaking at that time before the real men can go out there and repair it correctly. We end up did repair it correctly. Knock on wood, it hasn't leaked since then. Um, but that's, I feel like, what other people wouldn't do. Yeah. You know? They wouldn't give that level of service if I, I I promise that level of service in a house, but I don't think that most people can promise that. I back that up, and I don't boast about it. We don't put it on social media. We don't do that. Something that goes underneath the table that I don't talk about enough, because like I don't. I think that people just generally believe me when I say it. But like, if you go with a lesson for your company and you have a real problem in the middle of the night, are they going to show up? Like that's nuts. We will. Yeah. I'll do some stupid stuff. You know, like we'll get it done. 
So I think that's pretty cool. Not that I'm ever call you in the middle of the night. Don't be afraid. Like you know, I know that you'd probably do it. I hundred percent. But, 100%. but uh, that was an interesting thing for me. I'd never been on a roof in the middle of the night before. Mm-hmm. Tossing things, nailing tarps to the roof. It was a whole thing. Yeah. And that's like one of the major reasons why I love working here. And I was so thankful that I got this opportunity, man. Like just the way you do business, the way that you treat your employees, you, you don't find it, right? Um, I've worked for plenty of different companies when it comes to plenty of different industries. And this is the first one where I actually feel valued as an employee in such a long time. And it is such a good feeling. Let's talk about it. you're new. Yeah. You haven't been um, culture washed like when you get that buy-in after two years and you're making a lot of money and you're afraid to say anything bad and do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to get it for the people at home that maybe future people that will work here um, or people that are looking for that to get into this industry at different places or people that currently work for competitors or anything like that. Like when you came here, you know, what's the general feeling with the other salespeople that you generally got? Like, cause you were just thrown in with, your first day, I think, was a sales meeting when everybody came in. Mm-hmm. What generally was the attitude, atmosphere, all that kind of stuff, good and bad? So I love all the sales guys. They're, they're all they're absolutely years. amazing in their, in their own way, right? Very um, different people. I try to explain that. <laughs> very, very different We have different the nerds. <laughs> we have the jocks. We have, we have the emo people. We have like the, yeah. all the stuff you'd have in high school. Mm-hmm. We have an actuary as one of our sales reps. Yeah weird mm-hmm. army people we have people that you know go on trips like hippies we have people that love just to play basketball we have people that ride motorcycles and outlaw club you know we just we have all these different types of people and then you know i don't want to keep interrupting but no like, no you're, yeah. you're totally fine um it, it's just funny because like i've always been a part of that rah-rah group you know like the people that are like oh let's get hype you know and it's like I'm just I'm just not used to like coming in here and like we like we all mesh right like so so we're all we all have fun together but it's like it's fun on like such as like a like a way more level like we're all adults here and I'm like on this like I'm still 21 like let's fucking let's go make kid. a bunch of money let's, play let's Katy Perry and ex- let's do some right, jumping jacks ex- exactly right yeah and we've all worked at those places mm-hmm. that have been in this kind of industry especially door to door where they have to generate that. That excitement that, before yeah. that before you go out and get absolutely decimated at the doors, <laughs> they have to raise you up. Be like, "This is awesome, best day of your life." Yeah. Now go get told no a hundred times today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that here. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not like. But that uh, no, man. Like I, I haven't had any issues whatsoever at all. Um, I absolutely love everybody that works here. Um, from I mean, the installers that I've met, the front office ladies are absolutely amazing. Um, marketing is absolutely great like you've done a good job when it comes to your selection of people that work here um i think that like i i I spend i I psychoanalyze things i have like severe adhd um so it's like i i spend a lot of time like making sure that like everything's right in my life you know and that's why i typically don't sleep because you know i just that's why we're here i'm always thinking right (laughs) one o'clock in the morning so um at the end of the day it's like it's it's kind of crazy because i keep trying to figure out like hey this still seems like it's too good to be true. Like things are already flowing enough. We're, we're getting deals. We're selling like, um, and it's like, what, what, what's, what's missing here? What am I, what am I missing? Right. 
and just it's just because I'm like scarred from the stuff in the past that I've dealt with with different companies that I'm just waiting for like something to happen, right? And it's just because you know when working are they for gonna mess with my paychecks. <laughs> when are they going to change the paychecks? Exactly. When are they going to crack down harder? When are they going to not let me have vacation? When yeah. are they going to? Where's the people that they keep in the closets? You know, mm-hmm. where where is the, you know, the favoritism to the people that uh, are the top dogs, and then everyone else gets shitted on? Like yep. where where is that? Because yeah. that's what happens at every single company, every, every single company, right? Single so like I'm sitting here waiting for like something to happen, and it's just it's comforting to be like, oh, I can't even I can't even see that happening. That's like my validation every single time I think about something. It's like I can't even see that happening. And if it does, it is what it is. But I literally cannot see it happening. Yeah, like this is one of the best experiences I've had good. It, for a sales company, period. Yeah. We wanted like that. We had a sales meeting at my house. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That was freaking awesome. You know, just do something different. Get yeah. stagnant. And, you know, have a barn. Mm-hmm. You know, try to have a, a normal sales meeting where everyone can talk freely. Um everyone's pretty on board with helping everyone else out and then the it's just positive i mean I took a group of guys out to ruth chris the other night and that was fun you know we had a good time and everyone else didn't go why do those guys get to go it's different people's times and and everything and it was it was it was just fun it was some one of the guys there wasn't even top dogs i talked about that the other day in my podcast like we don't always even take the top dogs yeah one of those guys wasn't even top dog so and I got to go and I'm not a top dog, so but they <laughs> took me because I'll pay. Dog, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll I have to pay. That's, what <laughs> I, that's why they took me. So I'm glad you enjoy it here and stuff like that. Do you have any questions for me? That stuff that you've ever wanted me to talk about or anything like that? Man, I feel like I've talked your off about so much stuff already tonight. But um, honestly, man, like, like. What, what's what's your goal like like where where do you see this company being in like the next two to three years not even not even a five-year plan like next two to three years what are your plans and like what do you need to see from each individual to get you to this next step in your career okay two parts um one is i gotta find the ceiling at some point you know there's gonna be a ceiling of how many things that i can do without going crazy, how many projects can I successfully do in a year? How many jobs can we sell in a year? How many jobs can we install in a year? How many can we do? Because when I started out six years ago, I didn't know, you know? And so like when we did 300,000, I was like, we can do more than 300,000. And then we did like 1.5 and I'm like, we can probably do more than one. Let's just add a couple more salespeople, a couple more marketers. And like, we did three, and then I'm like, I think there's still, you know, room. I know people do better than me. Mm-hmm. And then we did five, and I'm like, well, we're probably getting pretty close to the ceiling. Now we're at $5 million a year, and we're still a pretty small company. Uh, but maybe we can do a little bit better. And then we did six, and seven, five, and then eight, and then now ten last year. And I don't know. I, there's obviously people that we don't get doing your job. Yeah. Um, there's obviously more people that we serve, but how much more in this area, in this market, can we possibly saturate um, before moving on to different markets or expanding? Because expanding is the next um, point. We're about at the process where we have the things that need to be solidified uh, vis-a-vis the, the, uh, the factory, mm-hmm. how we streamline stuff, inventory, stock, the way we deliver, the way that we install, how many people, how many crews. 
we're getting that down to a to a science. That's what this year's about: is to watch the hours and watch the the quality and watch the watch the processes. You know, so we're not just like this constant rat race or just trying to figure everything out, um, which has been you know generally the the way we just kind of find a way to make it happen. And that's not what you want to be for longevity purposes. You want to sharpen that 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 axe before you go back out there and chop some more trees down. Of course. So. You know, I don't want to hang my hat on just doing ten million as the mark, and we're just going to keep on doing ten million dollars. Um, but I would be totally okay if that was that for this market. Then I'd be totally okay. Now it's developing the people that are within this crew and everyone that is under me that I manage to empower them, um, or to get rid of them, or find another thing that and get people in there that can take it another step. I only have so much intelligence of how to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And when it gets so far out of my hands, I don't know how to solve those problems. I know how to solve the problems here because I can touch everything. I know how to run every machine. I can fix every machine. I can go and and, and assess problems on the roof and and figure that stuff out. I have enough touches with the employees, 70 employees. I know almost every single one by name. And so... When it gets any bigger than this, that's going to be tough for me. So I got to have to rely on people and develop people that are already in the mix um, to then run off. Because I really want to start one in in the lower half of Indiana, and I really want to start another satellite one in Ohio. Okay. And that's been the when I get together with the managers and what they want to see happen is that as well. But to do that effectively, this has to be concrete. This has to be an absolute unit. Of a, of, a, of a thing that I could take my shift off of, you know, making sure this runs right to then let's just run it right in different places. Mm-hmm. So now when we go into sales, installation, office stuff, marketing, not only are we just trying to do what you did is just trying to get people to be top earners or top producers um, or the best quality or the most efficient office people or yada, yada, yada. We're also going now can you manage somebody of these people what could you do to do that and then taking those people selectively and then putting them empowering them putting them in positions where i can go here's five hundred thousand dollars this is your new office this you're gonna have to be the mini me of this office and do everything and hit the ground running Mm -hmm. you know because there's gonna be new problems to solve and everything with doing satellite offices um that's the next goal, and that's ready as soon as possible. Solar is always on the on the cusp of being part of that. I'm just not sure it's fruitfulness that will come for that, but expansion is probably the number one thing. Um, I've always wanted two more satellite offices. We have one in Indy, but it's very small. It's smaller than what I would like, and the pool, the labor pool there is not exactly what I want the labor pool to look like because it's so much bigger than 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 what we have here in Fort Wayne. Sure. And I don't get the right labor force that I want. So moving it towards southern Indiana within the radius that we can still deliver. Um we already have plans drawn up of how we want to do that and the investment and the money we take. The second thing is just being completely debt free. So like when I had to buy the million dollars of the machines and million dollar buildings and all that other stuff like Let's go back to zero where whatever happens, we want to be able to be in charge of our own destiny. Now, why this is important and why I want to pay off and be zero, even when money's cheap, when I got these loans, these are cheap. 
the money was cheap. It's starting to go up now. Um, interest rates are going up for everybody. It's no yeah. different in the business world, in the corporate market. No matter what your DMB, which is the credit score of companies versus the credit score of an individual, um, interest rates are going up. And there's really no benefit to paying that off early besides the 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 molecule of savings that you'll have. But I want to be completely debt-free. And why I want that, there's going to be a downturn in the economy at some point. It's going to happen. It happened to our parents. It happened to their parents. It happened to their parents. At some point during their 50 years of being in the workforce, something happened. There was a downturn. And when downturn happens, everything changes the way you do business. When my father went through it, um, he was very good. I got to see a uh, the structure that he put in. He did more vertical uh, and horizontal integration, which means that he reinvested even harder into the downturn on machines and training and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and he was a man. He was in manufacturing as well. Mm-hmm. What that did for him was when all these places started closing and not making it, that he didn't have to rely on those people. He made the stuff that he needed to keep on going in-house. Part of the reason we were so successful in COVID. Now, what it means for us during the next recession, okay? When I'm in charge of my own destiny, if I don't pay anybody else, like banks and stuff like that, if I'm debt-free, I can follow this market all the way to the ground. I can, instead of having to sell for hundreds of dollars more right now, I can go, I can chase it all the way to the bottom and nothing has to change here. And that's what I'm really preparing for when I go take my money and uh, when the projects get done, I hold 30, 50% back, put it into an account, and that account is to pay off all the loans. Again, they're very cheap. Mm-hmm. But if I pay off those loans, I don't have to worry about Big Brother coming out here and being that I have to make a certain, let's call it, I don't know, I want to say it like a certain nut, but like I want to have to, I have to make a certain amount to be able to pay my bills so I don't lose my business. I yeah. will own this building and I will own these machines and I'll be able to do the, I can give the product away for free. If, if everyone can work the same, I will be way stronger if I lose no one during the downturn. Mm-hmm. When the stuff picks back up, which it always does, then I will be tenfold stronger than any of the other companies. So what I saw a lot in the roofing companies is they had to cut everybody they had to they had to cut down all the people that made their lives easier you know whether it be assistance or extra factory help and the managers had to do way more and the and those people i want to take that completely away and go we can just get really really skinny we don't have to make the profit mm-hmm. i can work on five percent profit margins instead. if i'm paying the light bill and i'm paying for repairs out of the my own pocket and things like that if we're doing less with more I don't have anything to worry about. This thing's going to be so strong that no matter what happens, no recession, it goes completely my way. And that's kind of like the expanded version of like what my two and three year goals are. Yeah. Hopefully in the next year and a half, it'll be completely done, you know, and then no one has to worry about where they're going to work for 30 years. Like this place is going to be here and it's going to be just as strong as it ever was. And I don't have to worry about doing so many millions of dollars a year or being so profitable and any of that stuff. Yeah. You know. yeah. That actually gives me 
a lot of clarity and relief because people don't realize it, but currently right now we are in a recession. You think so? Oh, 100%. Like if you look at the numbers, you look at the economy, we are in a recession. It is just not being said through the media. So that's why, again, like we're still selling a ton of accounts, but the, uh, the amount of people that are like, have you seen what the economy is doing right now? Have you seen the stock market? I'm not doing any big purchases right now. Like I'm holding on to my, I'm holding on to my that from customers. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like every other day, probably. Well, the big and, one that I heard, and we'll, we'll start to finish this up. Yeah, but, yeah, you're good. But what I've heard from customers when they they go, "Hey, we got the money, or we have the financing, mm-hmm. we can afford it," but it's the elderly that are on Social Security benefits or or the extra stuff that the government was thinking about cutting or taking away yeah people got tight mm-hmm. people got tight and it wasn't the right decision for them at the time um we've had a lot of those go back on the board recently of like now they passed that thing they put another cap on the on the social, social security, security or whatever yeah. and now everyone feels good about again for the next 10 years or whatever mm-hmm. um but that was the only real one that i got you've been getting some other stuff as far as interest rates and stuff is concerned or like oh well 100 percent, right so it just like by the standard of what a recession actually is when you look it up um you look at what are the signs of a recession um if you listen to like any big podcasters or you listen to any people that are i'm a conservative guy so yeah. i listen to a lot of conservative people um like ben shapiro talks about all the time he's like hey we are in a recession right now it's just not being talked about and it's not directly affecting us just yet i mean just the sole fact that all of the outer like the outward countries are switching to the chinese yen and not using the american dollar anymore are the american dollar is just depleting in in value right um so at the end of the day it's not bad enough to where it's like hey everybody's going to start firing people but if we don't start making a change to a different direction it's going to get bad but it seems like you already have kind of like a plan like Worst case scenario, if there is another recession, it's not if. What when? When? Of course, it's right? Going to happen. Exactly. It's going to happen, and the people that are just paying their pockets at the top, um, the people that are in my position, they're taking those, they're buying boats, they're buying lake cottages, they're buying extra houses, they're going on vacation, they're doing all that stuff, they're paying off their houses, they're doing whatever with the with the money that they make. Mm-hmm. That's not the right move. That is just not the right move right now. Um, I'm not the smartest guy, um, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I usually don't worry about the future as far as the the negative stuff because I try to handle all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you're not if you're not thinking about what you're going to do during a recession when you're having a business, and I don't care if you run a sandwich shop or a lawyer's office or whatever, um, if you're in an industry that could possibly take a downturn during a recession you need to think about how to fortify yourself that it's not going to be really a big deal. There's some stuff we can control and there's some stuff we can't control. COVID we couldn't control. We ran with the punches. No one saved money for COVID. No one thought that was going to happen. Nobody thought there was going to be a lockdown for two or three months. Like we didn't think that was going to happen and you can't prepare for that, but you can prepare for recession. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. You know, I love Britain Shapiro too. That's, yeah, that's, that's my dude. Um, way more intelligent than I could ever comprehend. 99% of humanity. But, <laughs> like, he he's, you know, he, he would tell you the same thing. It's like, you have to fortify yourself, you know. If you don't want to make huge concessions in that, if you, 
if you don't care about the workforce like I care about the workforce, yeah. then you might be okay cutting everybody, just get super skinny and, and do what you can with what you got. Do less with more until it comes back around again. If you can fortify yourself and make deals for you know better product that's cheaper, faster, make more stuff in-house, manufacturing stuff, um, you know, we bring a lot of our marketing and stuff. I get paid training for those those low times. We did a lot of like learn how to internet market, learn how to blah blah blah, sign mm-hmm. up for these classes, take your general contracting test, do all this kind of stuff. You know, if you're not doing that during the slow times and stuff, or during the when times are good, then the slow times are absolutely gonna decimate you. Yeah. Because I remember when dad had to lay people off. Um and I don't even remember. I was I was way younger probably 20 I was this was 10 plus years ago mm-hmm. and then i had to hear about you know we had to lay off 30 people today and i'm like oh i don't feel like doing anything i wasn't even a real part of this company during then i was like doing forklift stuff or you know doing accounting or something like that there and when he had to lay those people off and i'm like that's 30 families it's not just 30 people that you have to lay off during that same those are those are 30 families you might affected a hundred plus people during that because mm-hmm. in the conventional relationship is 2022. I'm not going to, I'm not going to think, but I'm just going to use a sample. Yeah. The man works. The woman's at home raising two kids, maybe two plus two kids, you know? Um, and maybe grandma lives with them, whatever. Now you have just effectively let go of five people. And that one thing now five, that's five X of what you laid off 30 people. That's a lot, dude. Mm-hmm. That's you've changed the course of maybe that family's history and their livelihood, and I don't want to do that. Like that's a lot of weight for me, and so now we're just making moves and do that, and then we won't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff here, we pay cash for all of our cars. We pay cash for everything. We don't have no loans except for these machines and buildings. There's zero loans for everything. We don't mess with the banks. We don't finance anything. Even when I should have financed stuff, I don't finance stuff. And that's all to solidify that we have a more, uh, a longer, healthier future through the downturns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, most people are like, well, we want to take over the next market. We'll buy out smaller, small companies. Maybe we'll do all this stuff. And that's all well and good. Um, maybe that'll change over the next thing. But expansion and fortifying the home base so that nothing in the future can possibly because like when we offer people these warranties and that's something that i preach upon when we go into house when you go into houses like hey it's not like we're best buy and we're selling you a product and then if that product doesn't work we tell you to go call taiwan or korea or wherever your um macbook or uh your dishwasher or tv was made yeah you know we're calling us we're coming out and we're fixing it we're replacing it we're doing whatever we need to do we're here. And when you see these other companies that are fly by night guys with the longevity of only two or three years at a time, they come out super hot and do all this other stuff. And then something happens. They made bad decisions. And, and like part of it's like divorce happens and they, they ruin roofing companies all the time, drinking problems, DUIs, things like that from the people at the top. It decimates those people. You've done 50 homes. You've done 200 homes. Like, those people aren't going to get serviced anymore. Of the few that you're going to have problems with, they're not going to get serviced anymore. they got to hire another contractor. Even you know all this stuff. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be completely solidified in my position to take care of the people 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, when this company still exists, we'll still be servicing those homes. We'll still be making sure that we're right here where we always were, making our own stuff and being in charge of our own destiny. Yeah. 
I love that. That sounded pretty good. I love that. That just rolled off the tongue, but that, it's, that, that it, was it, absolutely it, amazing. It, you, that was you a did dissertation. Good, good. I think I want to. <laughs> think I want to end tonight on that. If you guys have any questions um, about solar, about roofing, about gutters, about windows, any of that stuff, in the future I'll have. I think more installers now. I think we're getting tired of the managers and the salespeople, but yeah. uh, we're going to do more insulation. I'll put some stuff on the TV, and we'll go through uh, insulation problems and stuff. If you guys want to see anything, if you guys want me to talk about anything, if you see this on TikTok or Instagram or um, one of the streaming services that this podcast is going to be on, um, just reach out on Facebook or whatever and uh, tell me what you want to talk about, and we'll get it done. So, Alan, thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, bud. Cheers. Please remain seated.